welcome to the Woodsman's Podcast. My name is Max Ledoux, and this is the April edition of the podcast. This is a podcast for people who are interested in hunting, harvesting, foraging, and fishing. I am not the Woodsman. The Woodsman is Ed Butler. How are you doing, Ed? I'm doing good. Excellent. And before we start talking about uh, this month's activities, uh, which is going to be salmon fishing starting... That's, um, that's the big news. The opens. big news. Yep. Uh, opens or opened April 1st by the time people see this, see or hear this podcast. But before we get to that, thank you for uh, tuning in and please subscribe, leave a positive review and tell a friend. We would really appreciate it. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, YouTube, youtube.com slash working class woodsman, or on the podcast platforms, just search for the Woodsman's Podcast. Uh, so, Ed, uh, we're recording this on actually on March 31st. It is a uh, typical New England spring day. Yeah, it's about fifty degrees. I still have a, f- in a lot of places, a foot or more snow on my property. That was um, yeah. When um, Mark and I were rabbit hunting uh, yesterday and today, and I actually was up to my waist in snow in some places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still need snowshoes if you're out in the woods. Yeah. Um, and, and it rained a lot of, a lot of the last oh, couple yeah. of days too. Which gets making it even better. Yeah. So, uh, we had promised on YouTube that we were going to have a guest today in, um, Mark Patterson, uh, Wilds of Maine guide service. And unfortunately due to, uh, circumstances out of anybody's control, he had to head home. Um, not an emergency or anything, but, uh, he had obligations. He had obligations as do all of us at times. So he's not joining us, but we, um, do have should we show a few a few uh here we go oh is this mostly yeah. a video of you throwing a tomahawk <laughs> yeah we did uh we we this weekend we actually to, uh, we get out um did some ice fishing uh did a little spring beaver trapping um I apologize for the lack of axe handling safety here, but um, it is what it is. Uh, but anyway, um, yes, yeah, so we did some ice fishing. We did uh, beaver, did some scouting for spring beaver. What do you? What is this here? Is this an atlatl? No, no. Actually, we were also um, brought our recurves out and to do some target practice. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, that's about as tight a group as you're going to get. <laughs> For those listening, this is a, a picture of Ed holding an arrow with another arrow stuck into the back of it. Yeah, it's known as a Robin Hood. And known as a Robin Hood. Yeah. Um, so I was pretty pretty jazzed about that. Everybody will know what a Robin Hood is, right? No. Well, for those of those of you who may be unfamiliar with the story or the myth, I'm sure everyone knows who Robin. You Hood know who Robin is, Hood yeah. is, but one of the particular stories was. Uh, Robin Hood or Robin of Loxley, um, you know, was uh, a very good archer, obviously. And at one point, the Sheriff Nottingham, wanting to uh, capture Robin Hood, holds a um, uh, an archery um, competition and invites all the best archers to come and compete. And he thinks that Robin Hood will show up and then he'll be able to capture him. 
And so all the best archers in England show up, and an old man. And everybody's surprised that this old man is doing very, very well. And uh, it, it, the competition proceeds until I think it's just the, the sheriff's chosen, you know, his archer and the old man. And the uh, sheriff's, uh, you know, champion uh, shoots first and hits the bullseye. And so the old man comes up and he says, oh, that was a very good shot. I don't know if I can match that. And then, of course, he just splits the arrow on splits the bullseye. The shot, yeah. um, so he, um, I mean, I would think that's more of a tie than, um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and then in some stories, uh, they say, wait a minute, that's not an old man. That's Robin of Loxley. Yep. And in other stories, uh, he actually gets um, the sheriff says, "Oh, well, you were the best, so here's the uh, you know pouch of gold or whatever." Yeah, what's What's interesting is um, in those days when you were shooting um, cedar, sha- no wood shaft arrows. You oh, I just forgot that uh, we still have your picture up. Uh, I, I have no problem with that. There we go. Any press is good press. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I just like my face in the, the old often. <laughs> in the old days. Um, Let's say the old days. Whenever you're shooting uh, wood shafted arrows, uh, you won't get that. You wouldn't end up with that result because it would actually split the shaft, and the, the arrow that you hit would like be broken in half. Uh-huh. With the modern arrows, like that's actually a carbon arrow, right? And so it's like a tubular design. Right. So it enables if you're, you hit it, it, it enables it to get, stick it in there. So that's kind of like a trophy. Yeah. So I've got that up. I'm, I've only got like two or three of those in my life. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That was the first one with, with that recurve. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a Robin Hood. Yeah. So we did a little uh, did a little tiger practice. We did some um, a little bit of tomahawk throwing. The weather was not. That's a close up of the arrow. Yeah. Shaft. Yeah. Um, the uh, again, those look like wooden arrows, but they're actually carb. They're actually carbon. They're because actually carbon, yeah. if you're shooting, you know, it takes quite a. I. It's more or less so the arrow doesn't shatter. Yeah, actually, now that I think of it, that is, I think, the story with Robin Hood is that he shatters the other guy's yes, arrow, so it yes. disappears. So his is the only arrow that yep. that is would in the that bullseye. would make yeah. that would make perfect sense. That's called eliminating the competition in the archery world. And there's a shot of Mark. Yeah, there's a picture of Mark shooting an arrow. Um, but anyway, uh, so we got in a lot of good rabbit hunting, a lot of good scouting. We saw some deer. Um, the unfortunately, the place we were going beaver trapping, mm-hmm. um, I was there two years ago. And I didn't go back last year, but there isn't a single beaver in that place. It's go- there, there's there's really? no sign. Yeah, I know. And is that because uh, there you guys are looking pensive? Dis- discouraged, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, no, generally, the beaver colonies do move sometimes, but um, I don't know why they would. Now, do you it's think that somebody else was trapping there last no. year? No. No? No, no one trapped it last year. Yeah. I know that. It just, you know, it happens, but we'll see. Um, a friend of mine, um, Cotton Valley Outdoors there, Randy, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, been, he's been out for the last few days. He's got a, I think he got a beaver today, and I think he got an otter yesterday. So he's doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, with, this, with this water, now, of course, the river, everything's, the water's going to come up with all this rain, all this runoff. Yeah, yeah. And um, which hopefully get this, it'll stir up the smelts and get them, you know, get them... Uh, active and start spawning which leads us to um tomorrow being the first day of salmon season yeah yeah 
and basically they're um, well, I have a question about the smelts. Yeah, go ahead. Because I know that when you and Big Al go smelting, it's more like January, February. Jig, that's jigging smells through the ice. Yeah. Yeah. So now what we're talking about is when they're spawning. Freshwater smelt. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, Al and I, when we go up in Kennebuck, those are sea run, those are sea run smelt. Okay. That's why they're 12 inches long. Uh-huh. At times, but the smelt around here are, the, are much smaller, and they're freshwater, and they actually spawn um, when the water is between usually forty-two and forty-four degrees, mm-hmm. and they'll go up. So that's like tributaries. August, yeah. August in and this area, it might the be water this area, is yeah. f- freezing all year long. Yeah. <laughs> but this runoff will help when you get a heavy runoff; it'll it'll um, it, it gets gets them active. Uh-huh. But um, but the salmon. A good way to catch salmon if you don't have a boat is to stand by the tributaries that come into these lakes and wait for the smelt to come up, and there the salmon will chase the smelt. Mm-hmm. And it's all all that is geared on water temperature that that triggers everything. Yeah. And then you know when the smelt are done spawning, then the suckers come up usually when the water's around fifty, mm-hmm. and start laying eggs and stuff, and the salmon feed on that. And then um, when you see the bass come in, that's usually when the salmon are not around. Because that usually means it's up around between 55 and 65. And so a lot kind of, of these fish are just eating each other. That's, that's the how they I, live. That's yeah. how they survive. Yeah. 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 The, the, the smelt actually um, survive on uh, zooplankton. Hmm. And this, they get eaten by every other fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and loons, too. I've seen loons actually go after them. Mm-hmm. I've seen a loon eat a salmon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually attacked a salmon. I know. The salmon's almost as big as a... Well, it was a small salmon, but yeah. still. It was, say, about probably a 14 or 15-inch salmon. Yeah. Yep. Saw that right down I mean, on the top. I mean, loons aren't that large. Um, well, they're fish. You know, they got to eat. they got to survive. So. Yeah. But it was quite a thing. I've only, I've only seen that once. That was amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the big news. Tomorrow's salmon season. We've had a, just a series of uh, text messages all day. It's like, well, are you going to be there? What are, you know, what do you do? You know, it's two or three of my friends are like, yeah. we're all... And the fishing's probably going to be not good because of the temperature and stuff. But the rainbows are coming up. Uh-huh. So you'll probably see a couple of rainbows caught tomorrow. Possibly some salmon. Um, so we'll see. And you go to the town docks in Wolfboro, right? One of, cause there's one of the a, places, yeah. There's a river that comes in yep. right there. Yeah, the Smith River where yeah. it comes in. Yeah. And yeah, there's uh, some popular spots down in... Um, there's Alton's another place, Moltenboro. Mm-hmm. There's a few good places, mm-hmm. but wherever there's a major tributary, wherever the smelts are going up, the salmon mm-hmm. can usually be found. I remember, I think it was two years ago, <clears throat> day one of salmon season, you were out fishing and it was snowing. The snowstorm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. that was yeah, that was also the first day of my new paleo diet two years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, so actually yeah. tomorrow's a uh, two-year anniversary. Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Cheers to that. Cheers. Do a little <laughs> Yeti. It was a new life. Yeah, that definitely brought on a new lifestyle. Um, for uh, our some of our longtime listeners and viewers will will remember when Ed did a lot of a lot more cooking videos. And, a lot more uh, cooking videos and a lot more eating. And a lot more eating very, on video. Very high fat foods and. And um, <laughs> uh, two years ago, tomorrow uh, or April first, yep. um, you made a big, big change. Yeah, I stopped drinking. I stopped drinking 100% alcohol. No alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, no bread. No pasta. 
um, no dairy, uh, no pork actually, and it's it's not because I don't like it's it's it was more of a um, triglyceride issue. I had some uh-huh. it's some dangerously high numbers. Yeah. I mean, like I don't know, high blood pressure, high triglycerides, high yeah. cholesterol, and um, dangerously high. And um, I stopped all. I had a list of uh, certain meats that that uh, mm-hmm. like for instance, like bread is contributes to. Tr- for some people now, right. or some people just naturally have high cholesterol, but bread yeah. seemed to spike my triglycerides, so I stopped eating bread altogether, which is tough. Yeah, with the exception of your wife and my mm-hmm. wife, when they make their bread, I do have pieces of that. Yeah, but that's a whole different, yeah. um, different deal. Yeah, I mean, you've been in some ways incredibly strict, obviously, with your diet, and other ways you. Um, we'll have some bread, you know, homemade bread. Or, yeah, but I mean, in reality, um, I've probably eaten bread four or five times yeah. in the last two years, and yeah. it's only the homemade bread. Yeah. 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 And like crackers, anything. Basically, if you can flip it over and there's a list of ingredients, don't eat it. Yeah. So, I mean, mostly I, you know, I, and I don't eat white potatoes, with very rare exception of white potatoes. Sometimes mm-hmm. when maybe on the top of a cottage pie, but I mean, I just don't, I don't eat them. And this all represents just... A mind-blowing level of, uh, of commitment, self-control. What's well, funny? Mean, there, there are a lot of people who can't do this. I understand, and I'll, yeah. you know the funny thing is, especially when, you, when you're talking about um, quitting drinking, because there's yeah. a, you don't realize it's not just missing. Have, it's not just the drinking. It's your whole life changes. Yeah. And, and when I say that, it's because you think of th- things become less funny. <laughs> um, I don't laugh nearly as much as I used to. Uh, and, you know, your, your circle of friends, at first everyone says, oh, I'm going to cut back, I'm going to quit drinking. Well, you learn a couple of months, a couple of weeks into it, it's like yeah. they're really not in this for the yeah. long run. And, you know, they, and they don't have to be. But what it what it turns into is, um, you know, you don't necessarily, watching other people drink and have a good time isn't really a good time for you. Mm. So you tend to, like, I don't, I don't mean be antisocial, mm. but I am certainly less social than I used to be when I was a social drinker. Mm-hmm. So, and that's uh, something you don't see coming. And, and in all honesty, two years later, I can, you know, look back and I can see a big change of, like, you know, who I hang around with more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still friends with everyone. Yeah. More or less. But uh, it's just your interests change, especially with the diet. You know, because when yeah. someone has a party or something, it's like, oh, Ed's coming. We're going to feed him. I don't know. Give him a can of fish. <laughs> you know, so it, it it's an issue. It turns into an issue. And I'm fine with it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'll show up with a can of tuna fish and while well, you guys are, yeah. you know, eating um, – artichoke dip or whatever the hell it is you yeah. put in your body mac and cheese yeah. and i don't mean you but i mean <laughs> yeah. mac and cheese or some some high yeah. you know some ridiculous thing that you shouldn't be eating and uh, you learn a lot about you like i lost 52 pounds in almost th- in like three months yeah it was a i went from a 38 a waist change. to a 32 yeah it was a noticeable change yeah it was Impressive some people change. thought i was dying they'd pull me you know i'd see them yeah. in the store it's like you know, Ed, i got to talk to you. Yeah. Is everything okay? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, everything's great. Why? It's like, yeah. you look like Have you. <laughs> you look like something's wrong. Have you had a CT scan, you know? <laughs> but no, everything's, everything's cool. And uh, So anyways, yeah, I guess the the thing is, that's that's why people have such a hard time sticking to a particular diet or quitting quitting drinking because... People around them, you lose your friends. Yeah, you lose. Yeah. You know, you because your whole life changes, and it's just the whole big picture is more than more, a lot of people can bear. Yeah, and 
I don't know. I just, for some reason, I'm able to. I've never had an addiction problem with anything. And But the thing is, also, I'm an all-or-nothing person. So if I'm drinking scotch, the chances mm-hmm. are I would drink a lot of it. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you remember. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a stick. <laughs> you know, it was a stick of butter a day. It was a loaf of bread a day. It was uh, three pounds of bacon a week. It was If it was bad, I ate it. You yeah. Know? So I'm equally as extreme the other way. So that kind of makes it easier for me because yeah. being an extremist. Because you just cut it out. I just done. Cut it out of your life. Done with it. Yeah, done with out it. Out of your life. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it, was, it was a great experience. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't know if you wanted to get off on that. But Well, I just always, I don't know, I, I'm impressed that you were able to do that. Well, I'm, so. I'm, glad, you, I'm glad you're impressed. Um, and I, you know, I guess we won't make it too much of a deal <laughs> well anyway so so yeah that's so that's the deal tomorrow is uh, salmon season and uh everybody's ready and um i think big al got his boat dragged out out of the mud so he's working on that do some trolling and uh, mark and i actually talked about that a lot today too future plans of fishing and mm-hmm. stuff we want to do well we had uh, a little bit of technology technology fail there um, and so viewers will see that I have a different angle on my camera because um, the camera situation uh, sort of froze up on us. But we are back, and we were about to move on from salmon to oh, the, the coyote incident. Yeah, the coyote incident, which yeah. um, actually, uh, before we get to that, we did a little mini episode last week, uh, or a bonus micro episode. It was only for the YouTube channel. I actually didn't put it out on the audio yeah. version. But we talked just a little bit about coyotes and yeah. whether you say coyote or coyote. And you said you say coyote, which is what I always said, too. Ki- coyote always seems like a Western thing. Yeah. Uh, you'll hear coyote or you'll hear yeah. a lot of people call them yotes. Yotes. Or, uh, I guess it depends yeah. on how hip, yeah. hip you are, your geographical vernacular, I right. suppose, what it comes down to. What you just said. Yeah. So you said... Uh, last on last week's mini micro episode, that you like coyotes. I do. Yeah, yeah. I have no. I have, don't have this big vendetta against them. Or mm-hmm. I, you know, I've never had uh, a lot of my. I mean, I have hunted them in the past. I won't say I'll never hunt them again. But right, I don't go out of my way to shoot a coyote. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of people do. Um, yeah. I just feel that you know they're they are a part of um, they're a part of the system. Um, it's you know we've encroached on them. To the point where, you know, yeah, people are starting to lose. Oh, as a matter of fact, what, I guess, happened? So the coyote yeah. incident was. The coyote incident was yeah. last Sunday. Um, a friend slash customer of mine um, uh, ran into me at the post office and said, uh, you know, i got to ask you something. You know, how do you get rid of coyotes? And I go, well, if you can figure that out, you'll probably be a millionaire. <laughs> because there have been, you know, a lot of studies and plans and uh, they've tried to ex- get rid of them pretty much everywhere in the country. And every time they try to get rid of them, they just spread them to other parts, and then they end up mm-hmm. flourishing in those other parts, mm-hmm. So parts of the country. So uh, long story short, she, um, she was out walking her dog last Sunday. Um, not a big dog, a fairly small dog, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, off a leash on a trail, which everyone does, is totally cool, no, no problem yeah. there. But the coy- some coyotes, and I think it was three. Oh, really? Came, I, I think I believe so. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, just came out of nowhere, grabbed the dog, dragged it off, and killed it. Oh boy! Yeah, that so sounds terrifying. Yeah. I mean. Well, this happened to a friend of mine 
almost 20 years ago down mm-hmm. in Mass- in Hopkinton, Massachusetts, this mm-hmm. exact same thing happened to a guy that had a, uh, people had Jack Russell Terriers, which is a pretty ferocious old dog. Small, but yeah, but yeah. but pound for pound, they're yeah. ferocious. Um, got attacked by coyotes and killed. Um, but that was 20 years ago. So anyway, she um, was just beside herself. I guess they, from what I understand, they recovered the remains and had a cremation and so on and so forth. But so she's just at wit's end as to what to do. Yeah. She's out, you know. She and and then I told her it's like there's really not much you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can you can shoot every coyote in your backyard, but you're just going to get their friends and relatives. You know, <laughs> right. filling the slots. I mean. You know, you can. Is it true that they say that if you kill a coyote, that they the females in the pack go into heat to replace? Well, there's there's actually some. I don't know enough about that to talk about it intelligently, but there is there is um, evidence or proof actually, because proof is an evidence that um, coyotes can breed according to the carrying capacity of the land they're on. Uh-huh. So if if say for instance, uh, a, a, let's say 500 square acres of of woods. A wilderness will support yeah. twelve coyotes. They manage to keep that pack in check right. by how they reproduce, and then equally, if it'll support more, they breed and mm-hmm. and distribute more coyotes. So they're just they're pretty much a survival. Them, I think it's it's kind of a neck and neck competition between coyotes and cockroaches. Who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna last longer? Yeah, I, I I'm on the coyotes. So I think the coyotes gonna outlast them. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so. Yeah, it's and, and and which brings up another subject. And I talked, you know, it's like you do realize that the the state of New Hampshire's, um, I believe, I don't know if it's gone to the House or the Senate or what, but they're trying to pass a season to protect coyotes, mm-hmm. so hmm. they can raise their pups. And I said, you know, because there's no season right now. No, right now you can shoot. You just go shoot. There's them. no limit, no season. Yeah. Shoot them. I mean, do you need you need a license? Ah, <sighs> to shoot a coyote, I I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, unless you're on your own property. Right. But, but um, there's no particular... You pretty much need a hunting license to walk through the woods with a gun. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the deal. Um, but anyway, uh, so let's just say, yeah, you need a hunting license to hunt coyotes. So, um, uh, where was I? Where you got me off track a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, you're talking about um, a season. Oh, the, yeah. So uh, what I told her was... Um, you know, you really need to contact a conservation officer or a biologist and tell this story. Right. And so, you know, when this stuff gets brought up to vote, you know, you've got a case where you're a, a woman walking a dog that was attacked and killed by coyotes. This is this is the stuff that we need to get out there. And she's like, well, I don't really want to. It's like you want to stay anonymous. That's not a problem. But mm-hmm. Basically, you make a phone call, talk to a biologist or a conservation officer and tell them what happens because this needs to be in print. Mm-hmm. As a documented case of you know coyotes killing a domestic animal, wouldn't coyotes ever attack uh, humans? I don't. I, or have they ever? I don't know that. Um, I mean, they're pretty big creatures. They they certainly could. I mean, one went through the yard. But uh, as far as is like here, and it was you know like it looks like a wolf. Yeah, it looks like a yeah. yeah. It's I a mean, big dog-like yeah. creature. I mean, could they attack a person? Yes. Would they? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not. I say I doubt it. Um, like anything else, I think generation after generation. I mean, obviously, generation, a rabid one would, but oh yeah, yeah. You know. And I'm not saying a, a coyote wouldn't attack a person. I don't even know as it hasn't happened. 
Yeah. So, I mean, you can look up the statistics or, mm-hmm. or the, see if it's ever happened. It probably has. But the, the, the point is that at some point, generation after generation after generation, when they don't feel any threat toward, from people, they're going to mm-hmm. start encroaching. And at some point, it is going to happen. Right. Same thing will happen with bobcats, mountain lions, any apex predator will eventually, you know, attack a person because it's an easy food source. This happened over in Africa, you know, decades ago when, when there were, like, generations of lions that were living off villages of people because <laughs> why would they expend all that energy and caloric, you know, mm-hmm. calories chasing something 60 miles an hour across the desert when they've got a, a whole village full of, you know, mm-hmm. soft tissue, easy right. prey. So it, it, it's a matter of time, I think, before it does happen. But And we've talked about also the bears in this you know, in this mm-hmm. area, yep. in southern Maine, Maine in general, they have had an explosion in the population of bears over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, I saw in the, the Maine Sportsman's Magazine the last one. fall, they said it was, um, uh, I'm not going to remember the exact, they but said it was they, like 12,000 more bears well, than they said 10 the, years ago or something. What the report was in that, that particular magazine was that the bear population has tripled. Tripled. In yeah. the last 10 years. And I don't know what that's based on. I'm, I'm assuming it's probably valid. But that's a lot of bear. And, yeah. you know. And especially in southern Maine where you have dense population. And, yeah, the bears are going to um, go for the easy food source. Well, and that's the other thing. Where are bears living now? With the people. Yeah. Because that's where the dumpsters are. That's where the, you know, the, the bird feeders are. They're, they're living where the food is. And with no hunting pressure, if people aren't hunting them, they're just going to thrive. And I actually have a, uh, a, f- a friend of my wife's who lives in uh, Connecticut outside of Hartford, and her dog was attacked by a bear. A bear? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And um, survived, but it was uh, traumatic, to say the least. Yeah. So. Um, it's very amazing that we're talking about bear because I'm being – there's a there's a there's a call coming in on my cell phone from my taxidermist. Really? Who has? You should take it. <laughs> I won't. No. It, you know, I, but uh, yeah. So I'm yeah. assuming he might not want to be on. The he does recording. not. He's not going to want to be on the podcast. But this is for your bear. Two years ago. Oh, two years ago. Yeah, so not was, tripod. Not tripod. No, that yeah. that's um, he's still uh, he's a, he's yeah. a work in the. Um, Last fall, Work Ed, in progress. Ed shot a uh, three-legged bear, and you can watch the video of that on the channel, yeah. youtube.com slash workingclasswoodsman, as well as the podcast episode when we talked about yeah. it afterwards. That was in Maine, that bear. This bear that was bear. In, in New Hampshire mm-hmm. oh, two years ago, a year and a half ago. I've lost track now. That's the thing with taxidermy. you got to think about, wait a minute, that was a year ago, two years ago, depends, depending on how fast you taxidermist. That one, I think, was, yeah, was September... Of 2017, because that was the one you shot right. with, with Jim. You're right. No, yes. Yeah. You were up at Brian's. Yeah. You heard the shot. Yes. So last episode of the podcast, we had our friend Brian on, and I happened to be at Brian's house this one evening, and, and we heard this gunshot ring out through the... He lives in a valley, and it's sort of like this... The was whole it? valley was like... Boom. It was a 300 wind mag, so it echoes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it echoes. <laughs> That thing and marks. Brian said, "Oh, I think Ed shot Ed. a bear." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the bear right there. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's the uh, the, the um, latest with coyotes in New Hampshire. They're starting to, I guess, 
get uh, a little more. They're getting a little too close for comfort for a lot of people. So anyway, if in and like I so say, are there anything? Is there anything that people uh, should do when if they have a dog and they're walking on keep, a trail? Keep it on a leash. Keep it on a leash, and yeah. or if the coyotes come and I don't think honestly, if the dog is close to you, they're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I say I don't know that. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm not an expert. Carry well, bear in mind too. It's bear spray. Use it on the coyotes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I get another opinion about that stuff too. But I think it's like you know, people that carry sidearms when they're hunting for protection. I think more people actually get shot by their own gun than than the, the they would have been attacked by a bear or something statistically. I'm well, but, probably. <laughs> but if you get attacked by a bear, it might help if you had a. <laughs> I'm not just I'm not discouraging anyone from carrying a sidearm. Yeah. But uh, it's just when you read the, when you read into those stats, it's pretty shocking. Yeah. You know, bow hunter in Montana shoots himself trying to go to the bathroom at night. <laughs> you know, when's the last time you heard about a grizzly attack on a person? It's. By comparison, I mean statistically, more guys get shot. Well, we, shot by their own sidearms. We went out to Yellowstone in 2012, I think it was, and uh, there was a couple that had been attacked by not a grizzly. I guess in Yellowstone, it was a brown bear. A brown bear is a grizzly. Well, a brown a grizzly is is simply a brown bear that's been deprived of salmon. So okay. Uh, chances are it was a grizzly. Did, did you know that? And I'm not trying to start, cut, cut off your story, but... Well, there's a, there is another... What's the other Kodiak bear? That's a brown bear. That's also a brown bear? It's the largest species of brown okay. bear because well, because they're g- g- um, genetically isolated on Kodiak Island, and they've, they've become the biggest um, family of the, of the brown bear family. I guess I'm just differentiating between bears <clears throat> in... Uh, in Montana, Wyoming, and Alaska. Well, yeah. If it's if it if it can't eat salmon, then it's a then it's a grizzly. And the reason they call them grizzly is because the lack of that it make, gives their fur a mm-hmm. grizzled type of fear, mm-hmm. appearance, and that's where they get the name grizzly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you saw you were talking about a very ferocious bear in Yellowstone. So we went out to Yellowstone for a vacation. Highly recommend it. Great to go to the national parks. Sure. And. Um, but just a few weeks beforehand, there had been a couple out hiking on a trail. And some people came the other way and said, watch out, there's a bear with her cubs up over the hill. And the couple said, oh, cool, let's go take a picture. Yeah, good move. Yeah. And he died. And she didn't because he did. Because, you know, you don't have to outrun the bear. Yeah. You only have to outrun the person who's who's with you. That's the theory. So, um, and that's how the story was, you know, they knew that they had known that there was a bear and they had gone to look at it because she survived and yeah. she said. And then the next year we went to Glacier National Park up in northern Montana, northwestern Montana, and there had also been a bear attack that year. Um, two bear. It was... Um, two attacks, one bear. Mm-hmm. And the first one was a similar guy was out by himself hiking and, you know, just got too close. And I think there was he had video of himself, like he'd set up a tripod yeah. and he was videotaping himself too close to the bears. And so they the, the game wardens 
or the Rangers or whatever. Well, you know, it was his fault, and they they were monitoring that bear, and then it killed it killed again. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, that bear has a taste for human blood. Well, and that's the thing. And they went and found the bear and shot it. Yeah, and once a bear attacks a person and realizes it can do it, um, we're talking about grizzlies and brown bears, obviously. Yeah. But same with a black bear. There was a guy killed down in New Jersey by a black bear. Recently? Uh, 2012? I mean, the black bears are big, too. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, there was one in the backyard here, and... Well, I got news for you. A 150-pound black bear could easily kill a person yeah. if it wanted to. I mean, the bear you shot last year, last fall, was 360 pounds? 342. 342. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, he was, a, yeah. he was a bad... He was a bad... That bear pretty much ate yeah. whatever it wanted. But... Uh, it's just we're still at the point with black bear around here that they're still timid enough around people that it's not necessarily a threat. But at some point, it's going to be. Mm-hmm. At some, you know, at, at some point. I'm just shifting my camera so that I'm not completely dark. Yeah, well, I'm just a vein. Yeah, you need some. You don't need any more sun. Um, but anyway, uh, so that yeah, that, where were we before we started talking about grizzlies in Yellowstone? Bears. We're talking about bears. We're talking about coyotes attacking dogs. So anyway, it's... uh, I mean, if you're out in the woods with your dog... Keep it on a leash. Yeah. Um, But again, I wanted to also mention... I know what I was... I forgot to say. Um, The month of March is particularly more apt... Oh, dicey time to be out. Because because they're they're, they're they're desperate. They're starving to death. Yeah. So... um, you know, not to say it wouldn't happen in June or July, but realistically, it's like it's probably the worst month to, to threaten, you know, to tempt a coyote with anything. Because they're hungry. They're hungry. They're starving. You're Fox, lucky the uh, snowshoe hares didn't try to eat your face off. I was concerned. Yeah, yeah. I was concerned for a while, but uh, you know, I was quicker than a little quicker than the hare. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, but anyway, yeah, that's it for. And like I say, there is a supposedly they're trying to back to the them trying to pass a season to protect the pups. I don't think it's... Uh, you don't think it's necessary? I don't think it's necessary, yeah. you know. I mean, they seem to be doing just fine. Yeah. On their yeah. own. It's so. the, you know, it's the it's the antis, the anti-hunters that just want to, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, they want to ban all hunting. But, you know, they'll go after the easy things, like, you know, protecting coyotes, June and July, or whatever the proposal is. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, that was that. Um, and then quickly on uh, conversation, this is off topic, mm-hmm. but... It's not like us to get off topic. <laughs> we never do that. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's on the topic of hunting, so that's yeah. why I want to talk about it. Mark and I, um, you know, we we were originally going to um, do a, a a camp a camp out and ice fish and trap and all that stuff, but because of the weather that they were threatening us with, mm. we just decided to rather than sit in a tent. It was rain, raining all weekend. Yeah, but it didn't. As it turned out, it didn't rain until he left. <laughs> so we could have done that, but we we just said, you know, rather than sit in a tent in the rain for three days why don't we just we'll stay at the, my house um and you know um do all the other all the other things and we were talking about random stuff like tree stands and we were trying mm-hmm. to figure out it's like geez he says you know because we were talking about tree stand hunting hunting on the ground modern yeah. technology and this and that and some of the elaborate tree stands they have now and some of the ground blind systems and we were thinking it's like where did when did people start hunting out of trees and that probably goes back you know, 2,000 years ago. Oh, I'm but sure. Yeah. the actual use of tree stands, as it turns out, from what we dug up, there was a guy named Andy and, uh, Andy Anders, and he got the idea from Japanese snipers. 
that used to, I guess, get up in the trees and, and mm-hmm. shoot and shoot the uh, you know the adversaries. Um, I and, seem to recall. I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but I seem to recall in that movie that Clint Eastwood did about Iwo Jima. Did you ever see that? Um, Letters from Iwo Jima yeah. was the Japanese yep. side, and then yep. Flags of Our Fathers was the American. It was a two movies yep. about the same event yep. from different sides. And I seem to remember that there was a Japanese sniper in a tree at one point yeah. at night. And the it Americans had to uh, get him out of the tree. And, yeah, you know, at any cost. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, when snipers always you know, want to have a, a high... Yeah, they want a, a good vantage, vantage. They want a vantage point. Yeah. Exactly, and and being in a tree stand and snipers, if it's the enemy's sniper, you know they're awful. Obviously. Well, here we go. <laughs> but our own snipers yeah. are. We're, yeah, we came for us a chicken or the egg, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> From if you know if, if <laughs> it, that's too deep a subject to yeah. touch on. But back to tree stands. Um, in 1947, he actually, I guess. He's, this guy's from Georgia. Seven, right after yeah, the 1947, war. after the yeah. war, um, he lived in Georgia, or at least hunted in Georgia. Um, he came up with what they called the Andy Stand. I guess was the original mm-hmm. tree stand. When we talk about tree stands that we hunt out of, and I guess it was like a, just an amalgamation of some kind of platform and tubes, and but it was mm-hmm. a concept of being able to climb up a tree and stalk you and mm-hmm. wait for game to come along. So it was that's what we dug up, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it's come along. You know, that a lot's happened since then in yeah. the progression with climbing stands and double stands and tree right. loungers and stuff like that. But he was the first to really, like, make it into a product. That, yeah. yeah, from what we can, and it was called... Because like you said, I'm sure people have been climbing trees for, you know, a long time. Well, yeah, but, I would assume. Um, um, and there's no real, I mean, that goes back to, like, Aboriginal, I mean, that goes back mm. to the original hunter-gatherers, yeah. you know. But... As far as like we're talking conventional tree stands, like what we see on the market today, right. this is what we the best we could dig up, and it was kind of interesting. Um, and oh, uh, you had a, you had you just had your hand on something. What was that? Yes, um, in the in the mini uh, episode that we did last w- week when we were testing out our new soundboard, which by the way we're using. This is our first official. Uh, episode with the new soundboard, so we hope that um, uh, we don't want to lose our three listeners. Yes, well, I'm sure it's more than three. <laughs> okay. Um, we were talking about knives, and we went over, you know, the buck, the buck knife. Yeah, that's the um, that's the buck general, and the with the fancy wooden handle, and that's a class, that's a yeah. special edition. But. And uh, you gave me this for Christmas a few years back. A few years ago, yeah. And. Uh, and then there was the G, G96. G96. Yep. And you told the story of this. That's the buck knockoff. So you can you can go back and watch the previous video on the YouTube channel, all about the knives. And like I say, some of those uh, some of those knockoffs are actually worth more. They're more desirable than the real thing because the the knockoffs aren't really around anymore. Right. You know, like I've got a buck explorer that um, uh, Chad gave me. The fat man, 27, on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> it's his name. He's his not name. being rude. I'm not being rude. That's uh. his name. But he gave me a, an Explorer, which was a, a Japanese knockoff of the Buck 110 mm-hmm. in the box. It's yeah. kind of one of my prized possessions, actually. So, so I went out and got a new knife after that because 
you asked me where my everyday carry was, my EDC, yeah, and which you gave me, which was a Spyderco. That was a Spyderco too. Yep. Yeah, the orange one. Yeah, that was a Spyderco. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And so confession time. I have no idea where that knife is. I caught you. I knew you didn't want to talk about it. And yeah. I'm like, I gotta get back yeah. to that at yeah. some point. And uh and I did. It was carried it everywhere I know you did. for you know, two years. Yeah. And um I have not seen it in a couple of months and I have gone through all my pants, all my jackets. Um it's probably down between the seats or in the couch or one of those places. It'll yeah, turn up. It's going to turn. I figured the best way to make it turn up is, is to buy, buy a new knife. <laughs> and what so, you, would you end up with? So this is a uh, – I had an issue with a – You keep hitting it with your hand. That's the issue. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, folks, about the uh, – I also just stabbed well, the you, soundboard. You spend a lot of time with a speed bag, too, so that's probably why you want to punch that mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I was at the gym <laughs> in Wolfboro the other day. Yeah. And they have one of those speed bags, you know, mm-hmm. and it's gone. <laughs> and the the thing that it hangs from is there. And the gym put a sign on the wall and said, "Somebody has stolen the speed bag. If you know anything, let us know." Oh my god! Really? <laughs> it's like, why would you steal that? <laughs> I don't know. This is something. This who knows? Okay, so this is a Spider Co. Tenacious. Tenacious. Yep. And it's got the big hole, yeah, thumb hole. Yeah, I may be wrong, and it's not going to be the first time. But I think that was the original cell, uh, assist opening knife, and that's that was he had a special name for that. And I know I, we touched on it earlier. I can't remember what it was. Whether it was the oh extra extra finger extra, extra finger something, or, or that might have been one of his other inventions. Mm-hmm. But there's something about the guy that invented this, and I think it was back in 1976. His name was Gesher or Glesher or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Golden, Colorado. Uh, he came out with it. Was It might have been another product, but there was something like the third hand or the third finger or something like that. But the idea is you could actually open this up. Yep, a little bit higher up. Oh, you could actually open this up with, I mean, everybody's seen a Spyderco. Yeah. But you can, that's what the hole's for. And it's kind of cool. It's a real unique uh, design. And as soon as you see it, see it, you know it's a Spyderco. Yeah. Um, now, they, I don't know if they have that, like, trademarked or something because other knives that will have like a little post coming well out. like my bench like my benchmate uh my benchmate that has the little post on the side yeah yeah you know with the little yeah no big deal do you still have all your fingers all my digits yeah <laughs> yeah um i don't know about my cell phone that might not have worked but yeah this has the little uh, little nub on the side yeah that's how that's operated and you can also a lot of companies, like the Buck 110s, they used to sell those little adapters you could put on so you could open up your Buck 110 like that. Mm-hmm. But those weren't assisted. These are assisted opening. So that's why. Yeah, I, that one you just go. It's actually, it's quicker than an automatic, which always cracked me up because for a long time, you know, switchblades, automatics right. weren't legal. Right. But you could get an assist opening. So it's like it was faster in a lot of cases than some of the stilettos. But this isn't. There are guys, like if you watch YouTube, there are guys that love their Spydercos. Yeah. And they pay a lot of money for some of them. Um, but this particular one here, I think, was the first one, as far as I know, was the first one that was ever made in Jap- uh, in China right. for mass production. But the reviews on it, I mean, it's a great little knife. You'll never wear, you'll never wear it out. Yeah, so I, 
I bought it, and I got home, and I looked, and I was like, China. You were heartbroken, weren't you? Like, China. You you didn't call Ed before you bought a knife. That was your first mistake. Well, I was. Because you didn't want to own up to losing the last one. Yeah, I didn't want to own up to losing the last one. But um, (laughs) I don't think you're going to be able to see that it says China on the blade there. But um, because the one that you gave me has Italy stamped on it. Yes. Not China. Well, that's, yeah, that was another. Uh, I can't remember that model that I, that I gave you. It was the orange handle. Yeah, oh, it's God. smaller. A uh, little bit smaller. But yeah. One of our Spyderco fans will chime in. Yeah. But um, Spyderco's got a cult following. And like I said, it's golden. They're originally, they're from, they're based out of, um, still, I believe, Golden, Colorado. Which is the same where Mountain Smith packs are made, too. Golden, mm-hmm. Colorado. Mm-hmm. And what's the other one? Coors Light or Coors Beer? Aren't they from Golden, Colorado? Anyway, there's one, a lot. One of those like ones that's I've been you know, to Golden, straight Colorado. from the Rockies, yeah. you know. It seems like there's a lot going on out there. But one of those, those like Coors? It's Coors. From the Rockies. And their big thing was that they the water that they use when, to brew the beer yeah. is straight from the Rockies. But then they have bottling plants like around the country. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah. So, do you ship the water? It's like Poland, it's like Poland spring water. Yeah, from you know? Freiburg. From Freiburg, Maine. Yeah, it's like, are you, are you kidding me? Yeah, and for people who don't know, there yeah. is a Pol- there's a Poland, Maine, and original. a Poland original. Poland Springs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a different town or or a subsection of the town, but um, but the Poland spring water outgrew Poland Springs. Oh, so sure. Now they have. Water from other places too, and they they treat it. And there's nothing wrong with Poland spring water. Yeah, but um, if you think that somebody's out there under a spring with a bucket filling your plastic bottle, you you're mistaken. Yeah. Well, it's all spring water though. Freiburg town water, the spring water. You just crushed my spirit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Heineken. You know, it's like you know where they make you know where Heineken beer. And you, you think about where that's made, and you look around, and, you know, you're looking out, and there's the, you know, the canals. Mm-hmm. It's like, where's the water come from? We have very deep wells. <laughs> <laughs> think, Heineken is a Dutch beer. Yes, I think, I call that the, that's like the European version of PBR, I think. Yeah. It's like a working man's beer. Yeah. <laughs> I used to love Heineken when I drank beer. Oh. I liked Heineken. It was kind of cool. But anyway... Off on? Uh, did we get off topic again? I think we yeah. did. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so your new knife, you're happy with new, it? New knife, new EDC. Um, I'm sure the other one will turn up very soon, yeah. and then I can give an update on the next podcast. <laughs> Have I got a, how many knives? I got another knife yet. My Mora. Oh yeah, yeah. I got my uh, my hidden wooden hidden woodsman haversack, and everyone's seen a Mora, but um, pound dollar for dollar, I think those are the best, still the best bang for the buck. Mm-hmm. You can get them for like ten bucks. Um, they're carbon. Uh, you, you know, ferro rods work very nicely, with uh-huh. them. and they're easy to sharpen. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a few of them, but uh, this one I actually got off Malcolm. Um, I got a couple of them off him mm-hmm. just because I wanted just to buy them off him. I was at the show and stuff. But um, this thing—it's the slickest little thing. I take it everywhere with me. And like I say, if you lose it, it's ten bucks. Right. But those are the knives you don't lose. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you lose your adventure sworn. If you carried that around. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I guess that's it for the knife talk today. Uh, What else we got? What else we got? 
Book of the Month. Oh, the book what of the Month. You, you said you just started reading something. I just started reading The Labrador Wild. And, and it's, is that about uh, Lab- Newfoundland? Lab- yeah, Labrador. And it's yeah. about an advent- uh, It's I don't haven't read enough to really start talking about it. But from what I can tell, it's epic. Mm-hmm. Um, just um, And I actually read ahead. I, I tend to, when I start getting into a book, I tend to read a little bit into the book and then I go back just to know what I'm it's a bad habit I know but it's uh do you you mean you reread part of it or you skip I might go to say page 170 and just start reading randomly and see where I'm and just 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 see if I get hooked because hmm. a lot of times if you read the preface I mean you're getting hooked you're getting mm-hmm. hooked and you can eliminate if, if I can go to page 175 and read three pages and go wow that's then I'll go back and start reading the book that's my system interesting that's what I do. Because if you don't interest me on page 175, I don't want to go to all that work to get there. <laughs> i got things to do. <laughs> well, that was my problem with The Three Musketeers, which I read last year. And because, um, and I don't, some people might be familiar with the story of The Three Musketeers. I've never, re- never read it, actually. I don't recommend it. Okay. Um, I don't feel so bad. It takes about 500 pages for it to get interesting, in my opinion. Now, other people will say, oh, Three Musketeers is my favorite book. Great. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's excellent. But for me, the problem with the Three Musketeers is the main character, who, whose name is D'Artagnan, um, who's really the fourth musketeer. Yeah. He doesn't become a musketeer until about five, page 500. And um, the storyline is so um, convoluted. Um, and meandering, and like his his girlfriend gets kidnapped at one point, and then he just kind of like forgets about her for three hundred pages before re- before trying to. So rescue it trails her. off. Well, it all wraps up at the end. <laughs> yeah, how many pages? Um, that's a lot of commitment. Seven hundred. That's a, that's I a think. lot of commitment. Yeah. Um, seven hundred pages. I don't know. Yeah, this is Alexander Dumas, and he. He wrote the you know long books. Now, I have no problem with long books that have intricate plot lines because The Count of Monte Cristo, also by Alexander Dumas, is my favorite is my favorite book okay. ever. And that also, um, you could say it takes a couple hundred pages to get going, or that the first two hundred pages are almost like a different book. Um, it's a story of a man who um, starts around 1810, I think, or the 18 teens mm-hmm. um, in France, in the south of France. And he's interested in this woman, but the, this other man who's also interested in this woman, um, in order to get rid of him, accuses him of like a, a false crime. Mm-hmm. And he gets sent to a prison on an island. And he's there for like 10 years. And... Um, and then he eventually escapes, and so that's the first part of the book. And after that is when he starts plotting his revenge, and then he spends like 20 years or something exacting his revenge, and it's a very long, hmm. complicated plot, but I I thought it was wonderful. And I actually don't know whether he, he wrote... Count of Monte Cristo first or The Three Musketeers first? Because um, if I had to guess, I would say he wrote Three Musketeers first 
because I think Monte, Count of Monte Cristo is a better book. Yeah. If that makes sense. Because I read one of uh, Stephen King's early books, mm -hmm. and I thought it was a total mess, and I didn't finish it because I, I just didn't like it. But I had also read one of his books that he, he wrote like five years ago. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was a it was like a better book. Like he had – they were written like 40 years apart. And it was like, oh, wow, he got better at his craft. Yeah. I, you know, I, th I think you see that with a lot of writers. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think a lot of – or a lot of writers – their best work is like right out of the gate, and then they kind of trail off because they kind of lose. Well, you see, like with um, George R. R. Martin, who wrote the Game of Thrones books, which are the HBO show, but to, you know, obviously based on a series of books. And what happened is that he made it big with that series. You know, mm -hmm. it was making a ton of money. So he he's never going to finish that series. He's written six books, I think. The first three books came out in like within five years, and then it took him twenty years to put out the you know like the next one yeah. <laughs> you know and and there's no conclusion in sight, and he has no incentive to to close it out um, hmm. and so and then and the plot of the last book that he published made no sense. Um, I read all of them, and the the plots and i don't if he does publish another one, I don't think I'm going to read it because it's like, what's the point? Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, and that's one series of books. Um, other people, you know, write books with different, you know, not a series. Yeah. But put out, di like Stephen King will write different Steve, books. Stephen he has interwoven yeah. He's plot some... lines and characters. And Oh, yeah. Did you know that he wrote Stand By Me and Shawshank? As short stories. Yeah. 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 But do you associate those phenomenal, I mean, I think landmark movies for a lot. I mean, a lot of people like Shawshank's their favorite movie. Oh, yeah. But you don't think of Stephen King when you're watching Shawshank. Yeah. Um, so, but it just shows like his, I mean, or maybe, I don't know. But see, I haven't read a lot of Stephen King books either. I've only read a couple. Yeah, that's the same with me. I've only read a few. And like I said, yeah. the first one, or the... The old one that he had written, which was the the first Dark Tower book, oh, which yeah. a lot of people love. Yeah, what was uh, was it? Was that his first book? I don't know if it's his Dark first Tower. book, but it's maybe first big book. Early on, yeah. Oh, like Lang Oilers. Remember that? That was King Stephen King. Right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. yeah. I just it's like or Stand by Me. I just I guess yeah. I guess. You wrote the Green Mile. Too. Yeah, that was the other one yeah. I was thinking of. My, um, I've got a friend that. I mean, a lot of movies have been based on. Uh, and what was the Kubrick one with? The what? The Kubrick, with uh, Jack oh, Nicholson. Uh, not. Uh, not Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, no. Five that's... easy pieces. Um, there are our our listeners are screaming at us right now with the title of this we can't think of, of this movie that takes place it? in the hotel in Colorado, The Shining. The Shining. For God's <laughs> sake, yes, thank God. I'm sorry. We apologize. That was that was bad. That should have been like The Shining. Yeah, that's a classic. That's a Stephen King. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. He's done a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. And I've never really been a big Stephen King fan. I guess I had the same English high school English teacher 
as Stephen King. I went to the same I, high school as Stephen yeah. King. I don't mean to one-up you. And, uh, well, let me just say that, you know, no offense to the English teacher who I didn't like, so. But um, <laughs> it, I don't think that Stephen King's success had much to do with her. <laughs> oh, probably not. Yeah. yeah, He was just a natural. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to one-up you, but Stephen King was a customer of mine. Oh, yeah? When I worked at, because uh, he owned a house in Maine. No, tell where, but most people know where it was because it was a. I think he got hit when he was jogging up yeah. a particular road, so yeah. you can deduce. But yeah, he was a customer of uh, a major a company I used to work for. Hmm. He had a place up there, and uh, it was kind of funny because every time he he actually paid wrote a check to pay his bill, and every time the check came in, everybody would look at his signature. And it's like, oh wow, wow, it's Stephen <laughs> King's autograph. It's like you know he'll probably give you an autograph if yeah. you just go ask. <laughs> But it was uh, kind of funny. He was kind of a local legend up there. Yeah, you know the guy who, who hit him that because he was out walking? And yeah. A, and a guy, like, drove a van into his backside? Yeah. That Didn't that guy die? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I always figured that Stephen King put a curse on him. I'm just saying. It's an awful, it's a heck of a coincidence. <laughs> and uh, he had a dark side, you know, mm-hmm. to write the stuff that he did. Yeah, well, it was incredible. No, you know, not well, you he said he it. also. He, I also saw heard an interview where he said that he doesn't re- exactly remember the 1980s. That's. I know a lot of people that don't remember the 80s. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of money being made back then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh, speaking of movies, uh, have you seen that? Have you seen The Dirt yet, Motley Crue? No, I've heard about it. <laughs> you do. You got to watch yeah. it. I, I, my daughter watched it um, and told me she's like, "Have you seen The Dirt?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "Well." Get off here and watch it. And then a buddy of mine, Cotton Valley Outdoors, we were talking. Mm-hmm. He goes, have you seen The Dirt? Because we're both. Oh, by the way, I got scolded for our Metallica conversation. Oh, dear. You know, we got to realize when you start talking about Metallica, it mm-hmm. is sacred to people. It's like I was bombarded with dude. Yeah, on the previous episode, we talked yeah. about our favorite uh, oh. Metallica songs and albums. And yeah. We misremembered, I think, which, which album was we, on, we, which song was on which album. We were horrible. <laughs> Horrible. I mean, we didn't mention, as as Fitzy put it, uh, Fitzy, um, you you didn't mention Justice for All. I know, and I bought that. The same, I bought Garage Days Revisited mm-hmm. and Justice for All, which was Jason Newstead's first album mm-hmm. with Metallica. At the same in the same store, the same night. So I went home with both albums, and I yeah. totally spaced it, which was a phenomenal album. Yeah. Um, but then, like, uh, we got talking. Um, Oh, isn't that you? You remember Cliff Burton, right? The ba- the bass player that died in the bus crash. Oh yeah. There was also. Do you know the original bass player from Metallica? Mm-mm. Was Ron McGovney. You never hear that name mentioned. No, I don't know who that is. No one does. <laughs> but he was. He played bass from Metallica. Yeah. Because uh, for a very very short period of time, but um, and now this uh, the new guy there. Uh, I can never say his name right, but the beast on bass there. Yeah. Uh, he's been with him. I think he's the longest run. He, I think he's the longest running bass player with Metallica. Yeah. But the point was, we were trying to compliment Metallica, saying how they've stood the test of time, and even if they're not putting out incredible albums, which no one does, they've always been relevant. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, I, I, got, I was getting like Texas that night. It's like, how do you? How dare you not mention? <laughs> and by the way, this was that album, and oh, that was first, not second. And this, and it's like, oh man, I we. Uh, we shouldn't talk about Metallica unless we really got our shit together. No, we should stick to hunting, harvesting, foraging, and we, fishing. Which we really haven't talked much about <clears throat> today, but 
Um, we did a little bit. So we covered yeah, the sailing season. And uh, it's oh, um, people also people have asked about um, smelting. You were talking about smelting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're jigging for smelt, yeah, like sea run smelt, that's one thing. But there used to be um, one of the uh, rites of passage in New Hampshire was dipping smelt in the spring. When those smelt used to go upstream, uh-huh. you know, you'd be, you could dip. I mean, back in the old days, you could take a gallon or whatever the limit. There wasn't really any limit. There was, but it really, a lot of people didn't pay attention to it. But about twenty <laughs> something years ago, they shut us down to like eight lakes in the state that you hmm. can that you can actually still dip smelt. So mm-hmm. it's, it's and then you can the limit's only two quarts. Mm-hmm. So for all practical purposes, it's really not worth the gas money unless right. unless you love mm-hmm. smelt, which I do. But um, yeah, they they used to used to be. I mean, in the old days, down in the docks at Wolfboro, you mm-hmm. know, the bridge that goes across yep. the water, they actually used to set up scaffolding on the other side of the bridge, and they would stand on the scaffolding to dip the smelt. <laughs> you imagine that? Yeah. <laughs> but of course, now you can't dip in Winnipesaukee. That's not on the list. So mm. you'll they'll, which and they'll never open it up again to to open water smelt smelt mm. fishing. And the smelt population in Winnipesaukee is like, like it's it's phenomenal. There's more smelt, I think, now than everywhere. Hmm. But they'll never open it back up hmm. for smelt. So there is kind of a when, – when I talk about um, – a lot of people have asked me, it's like, well, what do you mean dipping smelt? I've never heard of that. A lot of people have never heard about it. Yeah. But it used yeah. to be – you probably – No, never heard of it. Never really. No. Well, it used to be um, – it was just a good time, hmm. you know. All you needed was a case of beer and warm clothes. <laughs> and uh, had a lot of fun. But smelt are – we call them nature's French fries. You've had them. Oh yeah, yeah, they're delicious. Yeah, yeah. and I, I wish. Fry them up. And, and uh, so anyway, so now we're um, actually in the same text conversation uh, with the salmon people I'm salmon fishing with. They've been checking the rivers, everything. They're still not running up. But I, as I was saying, this this runoff, this rain that we're having now, is probably going to speed that up a little bit. And they should be running in the next sooner than later. Hmm. But like I said, there's only eight lakes you can even still go smelting it. What's the nearest one around here? Uh, I'm not at privilege. You're gonna have to look it up in the book. <laughs> I don't want to throw names. If I there's some things you know when you're like, hey, Ed, you mind not talking about that? But <laughs> yeah. It's in the books, yeah. so do you do your research? Uh, and where do you pick your mushrooms? <laughs> oh no, there's no, 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 no. fiddleheads. No, no, no. See, that's the thing, you yeah. know. I'm all have. I don't mind telling you wh- how to do it. I'm not going to tell you. Where no, I'm not going to tell you where it is. Well, because you know, a lot of things. You know, when you when you give out your secrets, it's like you go there the next year, and it's like all of a sudden now your fiddlehead field is mowed before mm-hmm. you get there. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. But and people don't tend to, you know, take a little more than they need. I think. Yeah. But um, but anyway, so. Well, fiddleheads is May, right? More like May. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So fiddleheads we'll, usually coincide with when the brook trout start biting. Uh huh. Which is usually end of May, ish. Okay. Um, but you know, Rick and I, my uh, uh, the um, guy that makes the sawwets, we were up in. Uh, oh, where were we? Up by Ziskahas last year. We were picking fiddleheads in June. It was a late. Mm. They came in late and big. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were huge up there. I think we had a late spring last year. It was really late up there. The fiddleheads. Yeah. I mean, they were gone by here, and I was up there. We were up. We were up there doing something. Um, like oh, opening had... up the camp, and we mm-hmm. went for a ride up uh, uh, the road, and it's like, did you see that? And we get out, and there's just like these fiddleheads everywhere, mm. and it was late. Mm. It was probably three weeks after this season had passed. 
Mm-hmm. So, but um, anyway, but it's also about the time the ticks start coming out in full force. So you gotta, you know, you gotta start. We gotta start thinking about doing tick checks. Yeah. And um, Mark was saying that his, you might know about this process, but he was going to talk about sending his bush, what he calls his bush pants, pants, yeah, out to be treated mm-hmm. to repel ticks. What is that? I tried this last year um, with permethrin, which is a ins- type of insecticide. Okay. And you can actually buy clothes. It's not that, like Agent Orange or anything. No, right? no. You can buy clothes that are pre-treated mm-hmm. when they're supposed to last a certain number of washes. Washes. But don't wash them. Or don't wash them. Yeah. Um, I did try. Got a bottle of permethrin off of Amazon, yeah. and um, and you know I followed the instructions. I took my pants and sprayed them the way you were supposed to, according to instructions, let them dry. And then um, I was wearing them. And uh, the, what it's supposed to do is um, the tick will walk ac- along your clothing, you know, yeah. and get the permethrin on its legs or whatever. And then it'll, it's supposed to, like, work really fast. Yeah. Um. It kills the tick, and it's supposed to kill the tick. Okay, so it doesn't it doesn't d- distract. It doesn't. Uh, it's not a repellent. So yeah, they'll c- still climb on you. It's yeah. just the idea is they die once they come in contact with it. That, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, oh. but I at one point I was sitting on in the on my couch in my living room, and I looked down, and there was a tick walking across my leg. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, and I was just kind of looking at it like, when are you going to die, buddy? Yeah, and did it? And it did not. So I don't know if, and I ended up, you know, killing that one yeah. or flushing it or something. And um, good job. You know, I don't know if I hadn't waited longer if it would have died. Yeah, it's some. Um, I've I've known a lot of people, friends of mine, who are dealing with Lyme disease. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I don't want to mention names. Sometimes I think I have Lyme disease. Well, a lot of people do, and you wonder. And I think it affects different people different ways, and it goes into hybrid. From what I understand, yeah. um, and I've learned a little bit from people who have had it, but it, it can, can hibernate, it can come back later, and so on. So, mm-hmm. And it's just a real unfortunate, especially, I guess, later in life, it gets even worse and worse and worse. Yeah. But, I mean, cannot stress enough. As soon as you get those nice warm days... And the ground starts softening up. It's like do a tick check every single day. And deer ticks are even harder to find. Yeah, one time I um, went out uh, turkey hunting with you oh, a yeah. number of years ago. Oh, that's ideal time. Yeah, yeah and uh, got home, and just randomly I was sitting, you know, in a chair in the kitchen, and I, I guess I felt something, and I, you know, scratched my head, and came away and was holding a deer tick in my between my fingers oh yeah yeah and i don't know how i pulled that out of my head but it is weird how you zone a lot of times you you'll reach up and you'll touch a tick and it's like well how did i find that? yeah it's just i don't know maybe it's like a sixth sense or something yeah but also too the deer ticks are the ones that'll bore you know you'll i've, I've heard stories or whatever i've not ne- fortunately never had one bore into me mm-hmm. well, that's not true that's not true um i've actually been treated for lyme disease twice in my really? life, yeah. One, yeah. The last time like was preemptively. Back, yeah, because I yeah. had 
um, because I had a deer tick and I had what they considered to be an, uh, 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 a rash that they weren't yeah. comfortable with. So they gave me the antibiotics. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine had one bore into him for a few days before he finally found it. Then he had the bullseye and all that. Mm. And he was on medication for a month and he was like wiped out. Yeah. Um, so you just, you, um, the, actually the, one time a friend of mine and I went out looking for deer. It was in the springtime and we were actually looking for raspberries mm-hmm. and, um, not in the springtime. Uh, we were looking for blueberries. I'm sorry. It was like June or whatever. We come home, we stopped counting at 200. We had walked yeah. through a nest, and yeah. I was. We realized we had them on us, but by the time we got back, we were on the, out in the backyard, literally stripped down to our underwear, and my wife was pulling them off. Wife at the time was pulling them off, and we stopped counting at two hundred, and he hadn't even gotten to his dog yet. So oh, we we had literally must have walked right through a nest. I mean, it was I'd never seen, but they weren't deer ticks; they were the regular ticks. Yeah, whatever those are. Wood, but, wood tick, regular wood tick, yeah. yeah. But Which are big. I've had uh, last year. I had one that was in, you know, attached to me. Yeah. And when you start trying to pull it out, it it's weird how they kind of flail their arm, like, no, 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 leave yeah. me alone, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, get out. <laughs> no, you don't need that. But it's just, it's like I say. It's and those ones actually can carry the Lyme disease too. Yeah, is what I've. Heard. Well, any any parasite yeah. boring into you can't be good for you. Well, what I heard is. Um, the tick really needs to be attached to you for at least, I think, 24 hours well, or something. Because it, the, the way you get the, the yeah. illness is they pull the blood out of you. The, the blood is in their gut yeah. where the disease is, and then they spit a certain amount of it back into you. Well, I've heard, I've heard that more than anything, but there's also people that are saying now that they don't – that's not a science. Mm. It's not like there's a clock. It's right. Like, okay. It's, so – well. The earlier you get rid of it, the better. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But I think it, if you pull a deer tick off you, then you, you should probably save the tick and mm-hmm. get get to somewhere. Yeah. You know, Not if it's crawling on you. But no. No, but if it's bored in, yeah. you should probably. And the thing is, if it is, you know, when t- like you'll find a tick on you and you're like, I had no idea that it was no. attached to me. Yeah. And the reason is that they, those little buggers have like um and a uh, novocaine yeah like numbing like, yeah. stuff a local anesthesia yeah. They call it? yeah anesthesia that's what yeah. i was looking yeah. for no kidding yeah so you can't feel them no you can feel them crawling you can't feel them boring that's true because you never feel them boring in you never feel them you feel them crawling yeah and it's because they've injected you with something to numb the skin that's amazing yeah parasites and on that note, I just realized that because we had to restart midway, that um, we're uh, more time than is on the clock there. So uh, on on ticks, uh, it's a good place to uh, we'll sign get, off. For, don't get us going on parasites. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the Woodsman's uh, podcast. This has been the uh, episode for April. We might do uh, another uh, episode later in the month if uh, – if uh, the fancy we start catching us. fish, yeah, we can do a salmon update. Yep, uh, but we do at least one episode per month uh, on the topic of hunting, or harvesting, or yeah. foraging, or fishing, or uh, talking about uh, Metallica, yeah. heavy metal music, poetry, our favorite books, 
um, diets. Knife talks. Actually, on diets, you know, when you think about it, the, the YouTube channel is really just a cooking channel. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, because it's all about – or it's a, it's a – not a cooking channel, an eating channel. It's all about eating. Hunting and harvesting. Yeah. Yeah. All, pretty much. It, yeah. My life comes down to eating. Eating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am Max Ledoux. I'm too close to the microphone. Uh, Ed is the Working Class Wisdom, and we thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Look forward to it. Thank you.